Isn't God good? So, um, Andrew, if you can put the PowerPoint on. We're carrying on with our um, preaching series of God of the Impossible. And we have had a few problems with the um, PowerPoint this morning, so I'm hoping that it will work. Yes, we have have something here. God of the Impossible, Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 6. So I'm going to just read the beginning of it, because we have read through it several times, and this is the bit that I'm going to be preaching on today. So Isaiah 61, verse 1, and the beginning of verse 2. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And you'll see that when Jesus used this, when he stood up in the um, synagogue and preached on this or read it, it was a slightly different translation. Okay, so we just read through the Luke version. He, that is Jesus, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And you'll see that in the Old Testament, in the Isaiah version, it says, He sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And the the version that Jesus read from in the New Testament says, um, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. So I'm going to talk about both things today. I'm going to be talking about light in the darkness and the blind seeing, opening the eyes of the blind, as well as release for the captives or the prisoners. I don't know about you, but do you have any favourite books that you read as a child? For me, they were definitely the Narnia Chronicles. I just loved them. From about the age of eight, when I was reading them, I just loved all the Narnia Chronicles. It's an allegory of, of God, of creation, of the Christian life, salvation, um, and I just loved them. We read them to our children when they were growing up, and then I got another version for myself when I was older, because there's just so much that speaks to you in there about Jesus, and I just love it. And if you've read them, you'll know in the last battle, Aslan had come again, the last battle had been won, the evil had been defeated, and Aslan was there. And everything was good. You could see beautiful things growing, you could see everything was beautiful. It was full of life. And there was a group of dwarves, I don't know if you remember them, they were sitting in a circle. They had been imprisoned in a dark stable. And when they saw them, they were still sitting in a circle, and they were convinced that they were still in the, they were still in the stable. 
They couldn't see anything. Everything was dark. They said, I don't know how you can see anything. It's dark in here. If somebody tried to give them good food, good things, they said, oh, don't give me all that stable rubbish. There's nothing good in here. And no matter what anybody said or did, they just couldn't see. They were so stuck in their own wisdom, in their own cunning, that nobody was going to pull the wool over their eyes. They were not going to be fooled by anyone. And they just couldn't see all the good things around them. <coughs> so what does this mean for the church? And what does it mean for those who don't know him? So what I'm going to be speaking on is Jesus sets the captives free. Jesus brings light in the darkness. Jesus opens the eyes of the blind. And this is true for us, and it's true for those who don't yet know him. It shows, in this passage we've read, it shows God's heart for justice, for the poor, for prisoners, for the blind, and for the oppressed. And we read in the Psalms 146, He upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. And nothing's changed. That's still God's heart. God's heart is still for justice. God's heart is still to meet the needs of those who call to him. And the mission of the church hasn't changed. We are still speaking God's heart. God's heart for the poor, not necessarily financially poor, although that is true, but also for those who are poor in spirit, for those who know that they need him. That's still the mission of the church, to bring freedom to the captives, to bring light into darkness, and to open the eyes of the blind. Mm -hmm. Having said that, only God can open the eyes of the blind. Only God can bring that revelation. And that is why we are anointed with his Holy Spirit, as Jesus was. We are anointed with God's Holy Spirit to bring good news. So last week, uh, Mick gave the, the context for the Isaiah prophecy. The Jews were under threat from the Assyrians, but Isaiah prophesied about a future captivity when they would be taken for, to Babylon and they would be longing for freedom. The Jews in Jesus' day would have seen this passage as messianic. They were waiting for somebody to deliver them. There had been four centuries of darkness between the Old Testament and the New Testament when the Lord was silent. They were waiting for their Messiah to set them free from Roman occupation. That's what they thought it would mean. The Messiah would set them free and restore the kingdom to Israel. But they didn't see that their own hearts and minds needed to be set free. They recognized and were impressed by Jesus' gracious words in the synagogue and his authority, but they were put off by the fact that they knew him. They knew him as a boy. They knew him growing up. How can this be what God's promised us? And then Jesus challenged their opinions and he talked about, in the same passage that we just read, but a little bit further on, he spoke about the Gentiles, how the Gentiles would be blessed, and they really didn't like that, and they tried to kill them. They didn't want their views and opinions challenged or their man-made rules criticised. They liked his miracles, and, they, um, and Jesus actually fulfilled this prophecy in miracles, that he did set the captives free. He set people free from demonic <coughs> possession. He did physically open the eyes of the blind, but again, they didn't want their own eyes opened. 
So in John we read, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching you really, and are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But again, they couldn't see it. Now in Romans, Paul tells us about life in the spirit. So there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And many of us can testify that we've been set free. Many of us have been set free from many things. We've been set free from our old lives. We've been set free from sin. We've been given victory over sin. We've been set free from legalism. And hallelujah, I'm so grateful for that. We've been brought into God's grace and we're not following laws or rules or trying to perform well so that God receives us. We've been set free from that. He set us free from unbelief. He set us free from bitterness, for many of us, and anger. He set us free from failure. He set us free from the past. And we practiced recently in our Connect group again, I'm sure you've done it in yours at some time, giving your testimony in one minute, and talking about how life used to be, what happened when God stepped in, and how it is now. And we can use that in any situation. To talk about anything, we can talk about how it used to be. So for me, I used to be captive to what people thought about me. I was too proud to be free in worship. I was too proud to come and share anything. But God showed me it was sin, and I asked for prayer. Now I, I, now I have found such freedom to worship and to share what's on my heart without being afraid and courage to step out in faith. And God truly set me free from that pride and that captivity to worrying about people and what they thought and set me free to express God's heart. And in that, he has blessed me so much. You know, that which I was afraid of for so long has actually been a blessing to me. And no one can argue with your testimony because it is your personal experience and no one can say, that's not right. So in Galatians we read, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So it's not freedom to do what we like. It's freedom to serve, it's freedom to love, it's freedom to be the church, it's freedom to serve one another and help one another. So what are people bound by in the world today? Those that we go out, those that we see every day, what are they bound by? Some of them are bound by addiction. We see plenty of those, especially if you go out in, on the streets and do any sort of ministry, you see people, you see people bound by addiction 
bound by failure, bound by poverty, bound by despair, by deep hurt, by toxic situations, by habits, by anger. I spoke to someone who was a guy, um, a homeless guy on the streets when I went to do street pastors, and he was so angry. He wasn't angry at me or angry at God. He was angry with social services because they'd done him, a, you know, they hadn't been good to him. He couldn't see his child, and everybody had lied about him, and there was such anger in him, and you could look at him and think, no one else is affected by his anger. He's affected by his own anger. He needs to be delivered from his anger. And we did pray for him. I mean, he interrupted us halfway through, but we did pray for him, and I believe that God can change him. I've spoken to him many times. He's one that we, somebody we know a lot from the super. And, um, yeah, I believe God can change him, that God can change anyone. He can be free. And don't forget that we have the words of eternal life. And if you remember with Jesus, um, I don't think I've got this one. No, I haven't got this one. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, many people didn't like what he was saying and they left him. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, you don't want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So we carry the words of eternal life when we're talking to people, talking to our friends, or talking to people that we meet. We have the words of eternal life. So we're going to talk about light in the darkness, and we know that Jesus is the light, yeah? And Matthew, who quoted the Old Testament a lot, he was writing primarily to the Jews, and he wanted to show how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. And this bit I just really love, this is in chapter 4. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And John in his Gospel says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So people love the darkness more than they loved the light. And then we know that Jesus, many of the I am statements that Jesus made to the, his disciples and to the people who followed him, one of them was, I am the light of the world. When Jesus spoke against the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then in 1 John it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. And we need to be honest, so this does apply to us, it applies to the church as well as to those that we meet who don't know him. We need to be honest with each other. We don't want to put on our Sunday face and say, yes, 
everything's fine, thank you. But if we're struggling, we need to be honest. We need to sometimes confess our sins to somebody. We need to be genuine and we need to help each other. We need to be ready. But we have to acknowledge that sometimes we don't feel as if we're in the light. Sometimes we feel as if everything's a little bit dark. Sometimes we feel as if we're walking in darkness. Sometimes we can, people are suffering from depression. And sometimes it seems like there is no end. There is no light that they can see at the end of the tunnel. And we need to bear with one another. We don't need to be judgmental towards each other. We need to bear one another with one another in our weaknesses, in our strivings, in our difficulties, and acknowledge that, yeah, it feels dark at the moment, but we have faith. The only thing that carries us forward is that faith in God, that he will bring light. So in those times, we need to hold on in faith and confess the truth of Scripture and ask people to pray with us. And we need to stick with each other. We need to not be fed up when people are depressed. We need to stick with them through thick and thin and not let them down and continue to encourage them and say, yes, we're standing with you, we're supporting you and encouraging them. And Colossians, it says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. So what about the world around us? And we know what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So yes, together, we are the light of the world. We are the city on the hill. And it's great, together we shine brighter. There is a, like a beacon, if you like, and people are attracted to that light. People are drawn to that light. But it's not a question of staying on the hill and looking bright and shining together. It also means going into the darkness with his light, getting our hands dirty. We can't overestimate the value of listening listening to people's stories, not to go in with judgment or you should do this and you should do that, but getting alongside people, kneeling down with them in the street, wherever it might be, weeping with those who weep, mourning with those who mourn. We need to get connected to people. And we're not the ones who bring conviction to people. Literally, he is the one who brings conviction. All we can do is be his light, to speak his words, but let him do the work of opening people's eyes. We need to be in situations where we connect with people. And we all have different areas of meeting with people. Some people go out on the street on a Saturday, which is great. Some of us go and do soup run or go and do street pastors. But many of us have people that we are connected with. Even if it's just in a small way, we need to connect with people. We're not going to take his light out unless we connect with people. And let him do the speaking to people's hearts. And we don't need to feel fear, the darkness. We can go into the darkness and we don't need to be afraid. Because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. So when we go amongst people who have 
difficult situations, who may be angry, who may suffer from addiction, we don't need to be afraid because God is our protector. He gives us the light, he gives us the word, he gives us the courage. And Jesus opens the blind eyes, literally and spiritually. As, so Jesus opened the blind eyes, this is in John chapter 9. He had been speaking to his disciples and they said, they saw a man who was blind from birth. And he said, they said to him, Lord, who sinned? Who's responsible for this man's blindness? Was it his parents? Was it somebody else? Why is he blind? And he says, it's not a question of sin. It's so that God will be glorified in this man's life. And he said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with a saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Can you remember when God first opened your eyes? Maybe it was through somebody preaching. Maybe it's through something you read. Maybe it's through an evangelist. I know that Billy Graham has such an anointing on him as an evangelist that people could, could somehow grasp hold of what he was saying. But it's, it's the Holy Spirit who does that. And, and I'm sure all of us can remember. Somehow it connected with us. The word connected with us. Somehow something resonated inside of us. And God opened our eyes and we can see. We can't do that for anyone else. There's only one Holy Spirit. We don't, we're not here to judge people. We're here to, to speak his word. I've been reading a book on prophecy. Or I've been listening to a book because I like to listen to them. It's by Sean Bowles. And it's called Translating God. And it's just really blessed me. The thing that has connected most with me is about, he was talking about knowing God's heart. So when you bring forth a word for someone, it's about relationship. It's not about judgment. It's not about direction, saying you must do this. It's about knowing God's heart for someone. And that's the same when we talk to people who don't know him. It's asking world, what is your heart towards this person? And I don't think it's gonna be one of judgment. I don't think it's gonna be one of condemnation. It might be, there might be conviction in there that he brings. I think it's gonna be one of loving, loving that person wanting to see them free from captivity, wanting to shine his light in the darkness, wanting to open the blind eyes. And I think what we have to do is connect with his heart, whoever we're talking to. Lord, what is your heart in this situation? What are you wanting to say to this person? How are you wanting to demonstrate your love to them? How are you wanting to bring hope to them when they're feeling such despair? And then we see um, when Peter recognised who Jesus was. This is in Matthew. Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. 
But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. It's God who brings revelation. And let's just continue to pray that God will bring revelation to those that we speak to. Let us continue to pray for that anointing that we've read about, because the anointing is the start of it. The anointing is our words as we speak them to people. And then, this is very challenging for me. In 2 Corinthians, he's talking about the, the gospel being veiled. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And in Romans. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And as Tre uh, Trevor said a few weeks ago, we have beautiful feet. We have been sent. We have been anointing to bring good news. So my heart this morning is both for us as a church and for us as we reach out to people around us. Are we living in the truth of who Jesus is? Are we living in the truth of freedom from captivity in our lives? Are we living in his light? And in his light when we meet with other people? And have we got eyes that are open to everything he wants to do? So let's go out in the anointing of the Holy Spirit to the poor, the oppressed, and those who are in darkness. Amen. Amen.